Good to see you guys again. Great to be in church. I want to welcome you again to Northwood Church. On behalf of our lead pastors, Van and Jan Cody. we're so glad you're here. Those who are live feed, we're excited about that as well. We are in a series called One to One, and it's a discipleship-focused series. The word disciple actually means to be a student of Jesus, and that's our goal, right? Our goal is to be a great student of Jesus. He's the great master. He's the great teacher, and so he has an app for that. Pretty funny, huh? Well, not really. He has an app for that. It's called 121, the number two. You can download it, and it has all of the content that we're sharing with you today and a little bit more. Our goal is to equip you to actually go out and do the work of the ministry, become a disciple, and then be a disciple maker. That is called the Great Commission, by the way. It's the greatest commission that man has ever seen. And Jesus instituted it, and we are to follow it. And so you want to become a disciple and actually be a disciple maker. And that's the goal that God has for his church. We're the church, me and you, not the building, but us. And so we're in this series to really dial in on some of the fundamentals of discipleship. And I want to encourage you. We have many, many different topics that we have talked about and discussed within this series, and you can find them online, northwood.tv slash media. It has all of it. Matter of fact, every single week, we record it in high definition, so you can go back and look at it. It's mobile-friendly. You won't miss anything, and it's really clear. All of our media team works day in, day out doing this. We also have a live feed going right now, if you didn't know it. Um, you can use it on vacation. I know it's summertime coming up. A lot of you are going to get out, out of town and have a good time, but you can tune in to northwood.tv. Watch us live on the live feed, and you can be like Paul the Apostle that says, I'm with you in spirit, brother. Let's give it up for our media team who makes this happen every week. I know I use it when I'm out of town. So this week, we're talking about baptisms. Plural, we're going to be actually talking about three of them, but in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, we see Peter here after the day of Pentecost coming out and preaching to people, and he said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's a good church service, by the way. I mean, when 3,000 people are converted from darkness to light, something's taking place in the corridors of the human soul. It was the presence of God in that place. And so what I want to do right now is I want to pray before we disclose these baptisms that God would help us. So Father, we're grateful for your word. It's living and active. It's sharp. It's, it's alive. It penetrates our heart, God. And so we open ourselves up to hear your word. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would highlight the word so that we can understand it as an individual. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Baptisms. So, you know, when you look at the word baptism in the New Testament, which majority of the New Testament was written in Greek. So when you look at that word and kind of pull it out of context and examine it a little bit, you'll realize the word means to be overwhelmed. Another, another translation of that word means to be immersed or to be all in. And I want to really use part of that definition today being overwhelmed. I think we can kind of get a good idea of that. Now, we are overwhelmed by a lot of things in life, but it's not bad to be overwhelmed with the things of God. 
Because when we're overwhelmed with the things of God, things take place. And so we want to be overwhelmed with the power and the presence of God in our lives. And so baptism does mean to be overwhelmed. You know, I was thinking of an illustration, and I know that here in the South, it's starting to get hot already. I was feeling an amen to it's getting hot. That's strange. Uh, But, you know, uh, it's starting to get uh, hot here in the South. And uh, I love to swim. How about you? I, I enjoy swimming. And uh, my father-in-law, our pastor, we have a little pool. And, uh, you know, my wife, the way she gets in the pool, she gets her little hat. She's got her shades on, a little sun towel, And she just dips that toe on the edge and says, oh, well, I'll sit on the edge for a little while. <laughs> and then you have others, they jump in and they don't get their hair wet. You know what I mean? They, they, from the waist up, they're all right. They got their little floating devices. Then you got the guy like me. I get on one side of the yard. <laughs> And I run at a dead wind sprint. Literally, it's a 50-yard dash at a minimum. And when I hit the water, I bounce like a rock. And so at the end of the day, that's being overwhelmed, man. You know, that's diving all in. Now, you don't have to enter the water like that, and you don't have to dive into the waves on the beach when you're going there this summer. But with God, I believe he wants us to be overwhelmed with his stuff, if you would, with his kingdom, with his presence, with his power, with everything that he has for us. So for those of you who have a reserved personality type, it's okay. And for those of you who have an extreme, lamboyant uh, personality type like me that can get you in a lot of trouble, it's okay too. What I'm wanting to do is encourage you today is to be open for God to overwhelm you with his things, with his kingdom, with his presence, with his power, with the word of God, and go all in because he went all in for you. And so the first baptism that we're actually talking about today is to be baptized into Christ, salvation. Salvation, you know, God went all in for you. He didn't go halfway in. He didn't dip his toe into the water. He went all the way in and he became a man we know as Jesus. And he died a brutal death on a cross. And it says that the blood of Jesus has the ability to cover a multitude of sin. That means all of our sin, past, present, and future. God went all in. It says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. Meaning it's the blood of Jesus. He covers everything. He overwhelmed us with forgiveness. God did. To be baptized into Christ is simply meaning I got saved or I've been born again or I've given my life to Christ. I've been transported, if you would, from darkness into light. All things are new, and it was because what God did, nothing that I did. And when that happens, you're in the body of Christ. We know by the the, the scripture, it says that for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That's speaking of the body of Christ at large. We're right here in South Mississippi, obviously, but the body of Christ is at large all over the earth. And the body, there's, the body of Christ has died before us as well. There's been many men and women in the body of Christ who've died before us. And so when you're grafted in, the Bible says, you're in the body of Christ. You've been baptized. You've been overwhelmed. You've been immersed into the body of Christ. The scripture is plain that says we were once far away, but we have been brought near to the body of Christ by the blood of Jesus actually says that we've been grafted in to the kingdom of God. It's 
like a branch. I'm not a horticulturist, but uh, they say that if you break a branch off a tree and then put it back to where it was broken off, you can put some, well, it's like a Band-Aid. You wrap it around, throw some nutrients on it, and it actually is grafted back in and is strong again. We have been baptized into the body of Christ. We have been grafted in, and we're all in. Christ went all in for us, and we're all in. And not all of you have been baptized into the body of Christ. In order to get baptized into the body of Christ, you have to come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge, that you're separated from God, that without Christ is impossible for you to please God. And when you get that understanding that comes from his presence, from his spirit, that is the greatest place to be in your life. Every person has to come to that place in their life where they realize that they were separated from God and then they have the, the, the ability to make the greatest decision that they'll ever make on planet Earth to choose Jesus. Actually, if you have never chose Jesus and you're in the house of God today, you're in the best place you could possibly be. It's awesome and it's, it's powerful. So God was all in in water baptism. He overwhelmed us with forgiveness and those who have accepted the work of Jesus in our life and has been forgiven are in. You're in the body. This is it. And God's going to mature you and change you and, and conform you into his image as you yield your life to him. And one of the things that takes place after you come to Christ is this thing called water baptism. Water baptism. Or to be overwhelmed with water, right? to be fully immersed, man, to, to, to be all in. We see Jesus actually getting water baptized in the New Testament in the book of Matthew, chapter three, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you did come to me, come on. But Jesus answered him and said, let it be so for now for it's fitting for me to fulfill all righteousness. Then John said, okay, I'll do it. Basically, Jesus said, listen here, John, I gotta be baptized. The word of God declares that I'm gonna be baptized. I'm following that, I'm gonna be baptized. And Jesus was baptized in water by John the Baptist, we know him as. And you know what? Then he tells us, the church, to then go out and make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and in the Holy Spirit. So it's a command to be water baptized. Now, water baptism can be confusing for some. Now. When you think about water baptism, automatically you think back, well, you, you, you know, maybe I got baptized as a child. Well, it's a religious thing that you're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, yeah, it doesn't really make sense, but I'm going to do it. And here's the deal with water baptism. When you're changed into the image of Jesus, meaning in a moment of time you repented, you came into the body of Christ, your next step is water baptism. Some people get the cart before the horse and they just say, well, I got, I'm going to get water baptized because I think it's the right thing to do. And that just forms a religious act. And there's no power in just a religious act. It's like a routine. I tell the baptism class, we have an orientation class, and we talk about water baptism. And I say, you know, the water that's behind us right now that you're going to go down into, there's nothing special about it other than the fact that it has a lot of chlorine in it. We didn't pray over the water. We, we didn't do anything to the water. It's the water. What's special is that you have given your life to Jesus, and now symbolically you're following him into the waters of baptism. 
We like to say that baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. It's an outward sign to people saying, look, I've made a commitment. I'm spoken for, my wife, her name's Carrie. I wear this ring because I made a commitment to her that says I'm spoken for, and in this culture, we wear wedding bands. And so Christianity, if you would, and water baptism is like the wedding band. It's telling everybody that I have made a decision to follow Jesus, that I have committed my life to Christ, and this is an outward sign of an inward commitment that I have made. Makes sense. But it can get kind of confusing. People can really get confused with water baptism and they just think it's the right thing to do or the church talked about water baptism. I guess I need to do it. And so does my kids, by the way. It'd be, it'd be great if just all my kids could get water baptized. And we try to teach and warn people, if you would, that it, salvation comes first. When you come to the knowledge that I was just saying that I'm lost and I'm undone and I give my life to Jesus, when that takes place and you respond to God's calling on your life, then you follow him into water baptism. You know, people, people, they want to do the right thing. They really do. And I've seen families that take little kids and get, get them water baptized because they believe that that's the right thing to do. I want to help you parents. It's very important that you discern if your kids are ready to get baptized. You know, kids, I mean, they're going to have a limited amount of knowledge, but what you don't want to do, and it might have happened to you before, to where you get water, you water baptize your kid at eight and they've never received Christ and they never come to that revelation knowledge or that understanding that I need a savior. And you just thought it was the right thing to do. We wanna encourage you parents. We have tools on our website that gives a devotional where you can actually talk to your kids and present the gospel to them. And uh, we believe that kids can get saved at a young age, but it's your responsibility as a parent to discern that. Now, once you believe it's right, we say, well, we're gonna partner together with you as a church. We're gonna pray for you. We're gonna share some scripture, but you don't wanna make the mistake. And I've, I've seen it before. We talk to people, they weep at the altar, they give their life to Christ. And they say, I've never experienced this before in my life. I never really, really lived for God. I've come to church here and there, but I was baptized at 12. Or, or, or I was baptized at 11, or I was christened, or whatever. Whatever the case may be, there was never a demarcation in their life where they actually came to Christ. And they can just remember a religious act. Religious acts do not save us. Does that make sense? It can be very confusing for people. So what you've got to make sure of is examine your heart. And when you feel that you're right with God and you've made a decision to follow Christ, and we're here to help you with that, then it's water baptism is the next thing you need to do. Some people have been water baptized before, and I'm just taking some time because I want to explain this to you. Some people have given, given their life to Christ, right? Could be three years ago, four years ago. They've given their life to Christ. They knew that, that, that they were separated from God. They needed God desperately. They gave their life to Christ. Two years later, they stumbled. They, they fell into sin. They messed up. They went back to the old ways, if you will. It was like a dog returning to a vomit, so a man returns to his sin. He returns to the vomit, returns to the sin. They feel guilty. They know they're wrong, but God still loves them. God still is, is rooting for them, and three or four or five or six months goes by, and they say, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I've got to live for God, and they find themselves back in a church service, and the word's being preached, and they say, God, I love you, and this is where I'm supposed to be. God, I thank you that your mercies are renewed every day for my life. Life, and then they hear a word like this and they feel they have to be baptized again. You don't. You repented right there. You made a mistake. You fell short. Baptism doesn't have to be repeated over and over and over again. 
If you feel that you don't have a clear conscience about baptism, meaning this, if you feel that you've given your life to Jesus but was, but was never baptized, you need to get baptized. If you feel you were baptized but you really were unsure that you had a real experience with God, that you maybe went through some religious routine, then your conscience is not clear. Baptism is for you. You with me? Now, water baptism is symbolic to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I told you it's like the wedding band of Christianity. It also, and it's a sign, it's a sign in the New Testament, and also it's symbolic. Paul the Apostle talks about the symbolism of water baptism in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So in order to be buried, a person must die. And when you die, you have... That's why it says that when you are born again of God's spirit, the old man dies. Behold, all things are new. I'm like a newborn baby. God, this is great. Let's go. You're changing my heart. You're changing my character. Everything is new. That's symbolic of dying to sin. In the waters of baptism, when you go down under the water, it's, it's symbolic to dying to sin. Jesus, he was buried in the tomb. He took sin upon him. But then he rose up in newness of life. It's symbolic when you rise up out of the waters of baptism. I'm, I'm, I'm a new man. It's symbolic to something that's already taken place in your life. It's symbolic to the transformation that's already cooking on the inner man because you came to a relationship with Jesus. And you say, I'm walking in newness of life. Symbolic. You say, well, why did God choose water? Not sure. He did. I can break down some Old Testament things, but then it always goes back to, well, that's he chose water. That's what he did. So we follow him in it by faith. You with me? Water baptism. So, you know, final thoughts on that is just beware of a religious act. Make sure you have the real thing. And by the way, the staff is always here to help you. Uh, we love you. We can answer questions for you. We're available to you. Make sense? I, I want to dispel the mystery that says that you're too busy. We're, we're not busy to where we're not gonna to talk to you about water baptism or anything of that matter, we're available for you. Uh, shoot us an email, talk to a leader, give us a call. We'll talk to you if you need some help in this area. We'd love to. The next baptism we wanna talk about is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, this particular baptism has been a controversial issue for a long period of time. Now, I do wanna say this just to help you out. There is a lot of controversial issues in the body of Christ at large uh, through denominations, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, you know, we agree on this, we don't agree on this. And there's theologians who write books and have what we call elephant room discussions where they debate, uh, theological debates and all those things. Uh, we as a church don't want to get into that. We don't want to be known for that. As a matter of fact, we want to be known for the church that loves people, loves God and prays for other churches in our community that they would thrive and that they would be successful. That's why when you come and visit our church, we tell you this, hey, look, if this is a place for you, welcome home. If it's not, we're praying for you that you can actually find a church here in our community 
to where you can actually plug in and find a place you can call home. There's over 350,000 churches in America, and that's our heart with sincerity. We don't believe in holding God's people like this. We ha- hey, look, this is a great place. Come on if you want to be a part. But spirit baptism is a controversial issue, and we want to really focus in on the essentials. How many of you know that you're not going to solve the world's mysteries through a theological debate? These theological debates will go on until the earth melts. That's for all you who are working on the ozone layer right now. Peter said the earth's going to melt with fervent heat. It's going to melt with fire. So there's always going to be debating, but we got to find common ground. And and in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, this is John the Baptist speaking. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, his name is Jesus, by the way, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In other words, he will overwhelm you with his spirit. That means God's spirit... <clears throat> The intangible, the unseen, the God of the unseen, we can't see him, the invisible God will overwhelm you with his presence, with his spirit, with his breath, with his power. How can we explain that? Well, go outside and feel the wind blow. It comes from here. Does it come from here? Just blow. And my hair's blowing. Well, where'd the wind originate? Well, I got some scientific thoughts, but nevertheless, my, well, my hair's not blowing. Some of you are like, dude, your hair ain't gonna blow. But when you get into the wind, you you know it, man. My eyes are dried out. Okay, there you go. The same is with the Spirit of God, but we've got to realize that the Holy Spirit, we want to be overwhelmed with the Spirit of God. The, The Bible says that Jesus had the Spirit without measure, meaning he walked overwhelmed with the Spirit of God, man. He made things happen, right? The preacher of all preachers, the miracle worker, His name is Jesus. And here's what he says about the Holy Spirit. Because he had a group of people that we know as the disciples. And uh, we're disciples too, by the way. It's just a church word, but we're students. We're followers of Christ. And so um, they had this group of guys he hung out with all the time. And he was basically saying, hey, guys, my time of departure is at at hand. I'm going to be killed, basically. And they were saddened of this. And he said, no, 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 look. It's better for you that I go away because if I go away, this is God's system. He put it into place. So it is. He said, if I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit known as the counselor, the great counselor, the helper, and he's going to aid you and empower you to fulfill the mission that I've called you to fulfill. We picked the story up right here in John, Jesus saying, but I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. They were just still earthly minded. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And you keep reading the accounts of Jesus talking to his students and he, and, he, and he told him this one thing, and people grab a hold of this, and he said, greater works will you do than me because I'm going to the Father. And, and in other words, I'm going to diversify and multiply. 
In the Old Testament, we see the Spirit of God coming upon people and then coming off of people, descending and ascending. And when, he, when the Holy Spirit came, go read the Old Testament, which by the way, we're reading through the one-year Bible together as a church, and it really, really helps you because you are able to see some of the things that were done in the Old Testament, which is actually a pattern for the New Testament. God does things in patterns. And so you read the Old Testament, you see things in the natural that he reveals in the spiritual in the New Testament. Very important that you begin to uh, have a diet of the word of God from the, the beginning to the end, Genesis to Revelation. But we see in the Old Testament, the spirit of God coming upon priests, coming upon prophets, coming upon uh, uh, people in the Old Testament. And then they did great things and then the spirit of God would come back off of them. But in the new covenant, the, the new Testament, Jesus said, once I ascend, once I ascend, I'm going to, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit once and for all, who's going to overwhelm everybody that calls upon my name and I'm going to be diversified and I'm going to be multiplied. And now everyone's going to be carriers of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit, the Bible says that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in my mortal body and brings life to it. He said, I'm going to dwell every individual. He says, no longer am I going to be in a temple made by hands, but I'm going to be in the hearts. You are going to become the temple. You are going to be a vessel that I can overwhelm and produce my plan through you. And so that's the plan of God. And we want to be a part of that plan. We see some gentlemen here in the book of Acts who are hearing about this Jesus and who are repenting. And we see the apostles talking to them about the Holy Spirit in verse 14, Acts chapter eight. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. In other words, they laid their hands on them and they were overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's like a conduit that took place at that time. And the, and, and the Holy Spirit can fall on you and be, you'd be overwhelmed. Other, other instances in the New Testament, you see people laying hands on people and there's a transference, God system, he does miracles. At this particular uh, context, he, they laid hands on them and they were overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon, some magician, saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered money, saying, give me this power also so that anyone who I'm laying hands on can get this Holy Spirit as well. Dude, you got a magician saying, give me some of this. I love to read. You keep reading. You, the apostles said, hold up, dude. You, your money can't buy this. Your money can't buy the power of God. Your religion can't buy the power of God. Your magic can't buy the power of God. Your intellect can't buy the power of God. Your social status can't buy the power of God. But in the book of Psalms, the psalmist says that a broken heart and a contrite spirit, he's yet to deny. That when people break before God in humility, no matter where they came from or where they're going, no matter what their intellect is, God meets them right where they are. Make sense? Then when the spirit of God comes upon an individual, there's not a bunch of religious noise. All right? Because I can hoopla all day long but have no power. Doesn't mean you don't hoopla either. Because I get excited. <laughs> Hey, look, I get excited. I yell. You know what I mean? 
I ch- I, I'm the guy that's like, yes, God, because I feel something going on on the inside of me, but I'm an intense individual. Some of you might bow your heads and say, yes, God, and you go home and you transform, you transform your home. Don't confuse the Holy Spirit with religious rhetoric, noise, and, and, and learned behavior. You know what I mean? Uh, don't, don't confuse it with that. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. His goal is to accomplish his mission and transform your life and give you power to do it. He empowers us to be a witness. First point, the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness of the light. A witness of the light. The, 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 the New Testament is filled with it. Be light in a dark place. Be salt. How many of you love some salt? I know some of you are thinking about it. I ate a lot of salt yesterday. I went to... Um, uh, was it? O'Neill's. I went to a place called O'Neill's on Pass Road. They had all-you-can-eat catfish. Dude, I had corn nuggets, catfish. I'm talking fried pickles. And I'm the guy that said, keep bringing it on. I'm going to repent tomorrow. So I went to the gym this morning, but I'm still dried up, that salt. Because salt affected me. It affected my life, and God's called us to affect our environment. That's why he said it would be light and salt. He's going to empower us to be a witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, when, the, when you receive power from the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word witness there means I'm going to be a martyr. The word witness means martyrs. You're going to be martyrs. It says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have power to be a martyr. Now, this is not a martyrdom message, but you're going to need power to get your head sawed off. I can promise you that. Because I'm a fighter. You know what I mean? Just to lay down and get my head sawed off, I'm going to need lots of power. Lots and lots and lots of power. We are called to be a witness and the purpose of the power of God is so that we can be a witness, so that we can accomplish the plan of God in our life. In order to be a witness, God gives us power. He gives us boldness. One, one, one uh, translation in the New Testament says that they spoke the word of God. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That doesn't mean pride. That doesn't mean religious arrogance. That doesn't mean learned behavior and Christianese. That means they spoke the word of God with boldness so that the hearers could understand it and their lives were transformed or they had the ability to understand that Jesus was amongst them. That's what the word of God came to do. And, 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 and in other instances, there's many, many times that we see things taking place. It's an experience. It's a sign when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see Paul writing to the church in a place called Corinth, disclosing spiritual gifts to them. There's nine of them, known as the charismatic gifts. If you look into, if you're a th- for you theologians out there, it's the charismatic gifts, the nine major gifts. I wish there were 18, by the way. God chose nine. Here they are. By the way, as a church, we believe in all nine of these gifts, and we believe they're profitable for the church and for the progression of your life to accomplish the will of God. We're not ashamed of it. The gifts have not passed away with the apostles. That would have been a bad move for God because he got a guy named Casey coming around, and he's going to need lots of gifts. Why would it end with the apostles when he's got work to do? The Antichrist is coming. Let's you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to just read some of these gifts to you. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them for everyone. 
To each is given the manifestation or the outward sign of the spirit for the common good. I want you to look at that, common good. Spiritual gifts is not about tooting my horn. I, I, I can make a lot of noise, but unless I've got the real thing and authentic Christianity, which equals love for people, I'm going to be, that's why I'm going to be, I'm going to be annoying noise. When I get, you're just going to annoy me. You're just going to make a lot of noise. You're going to have no effect. Paul the apostle, God is brilliant because if you read the New Testament in the book of Corinthians, he puts the gifts and then in between the gifts, the next chapter is called the love chapter because he knows that if you don't have love for the common good of my church, Jesus's church, and for helping people in the church and people outside of the church, your gifts are going to do nothing but make noise and irritate people. Make sense? For some, he gave the spirit or utterance of wisdom, verse eight, a word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge or the utterance of knowledge. Now, when you're overwhelmed with, by the spirit of God, gifts operate in your life for a purpose. I'll give you an example. I had a word of knowledge for an individual and I was standing up here in a prayer line one time to pray for people. A guy came up to get prayer. I had never seen him in my life. I have my eyes closed. I said, what can I pray for you about? I'm angry. Um, uh, I feel violent. Uh, my wife, my, me and my wife are having major controversy. Of course, he wanted to pray about his wife. You know how it is, man. Eve, she gave me the, the apple to eat from, right? My wife, my wife, and my kids, they're having uh, 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 this problem, this problem, and this problem, and then another one was having nightmares. and all that. I said, okay, man, we're going to pray. We're going we're gonna to pray for you. I mean, this is terrable. I mean, he, he, he was desperate, and so I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, God, help this guy. God, you know, touch his marriage, Lord. Make him be a, a compassionate guy, a soft guy, Lord. Help, help him with self-control. Help him with discipline. God, we pray for his daughters. God, we, we pray for this thing that's going on in their home, God. And then all of a sudden, I was overwhelmed with the Spirit of God because God cared for him. God cared for him more than I cared for him. God wanted the common good to operate in his life. I was overwhelmed with the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, I opened my eyes and said, you've been watching too much porn. Now, that's a bold statement to make when you've never seen somebody in your whole life. But it just came out, I was like, ugh. <laughs> and then the guy looked at me and his countenance changed and he began to weep right there. It was a word of knowledge, had no clue. Spiritual gift operating for the common good of this individual so that he might be rescued, so that bondage might be broken over his life, so that cha things would change, would fall off, so that the culture of his home would change. I can't give him psychobabble. I couldn't send him to Joyce Myers. I couldn't send him to the counselor. I couldn't send him to the pill. But when the word of God came and he responded to it, something broke in the corridors of his life instantaneously. Now, if you don't believe that can happen, God will show you here in the near future. So a lot of the apostles say, if you, can't, if you don't believe what we're saying, God will show you. This is the God we serve, the invisible God who knows everything. And the gifts of the Spirit operate for the common good, not to parade it around the church, not to make people feel weird and funny. Matter of fact, if the spiritual gifts, now some of them are miraculous, and you might be like, God, I don't understand. That's okay. But when it's repelling people and making people uh, weird, uh, it's not God. God loves his people way too much to do that. He, he's way too bought in than you are. Let's keep reading some of these gifts. 
Verse nine, to another, faith by the same spirit. Man, you need a gift of faith sometimes. The real gift of faith, not just common faith. The gift of faith that comes upon you where you have to make a breakthrough and have to make a move and you're fighting for your life. To another, gifts of healing by one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. That's me. I'm able to discern if this is a, is this, is this a demon spirit. Is this, is this a problem that I can't... Is, am I the problem? Can I fix it? Or is this something from the outside coming in, messing with me? We can get discernment of spirits, by the way. Absolutely. To another, various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. We believe in speaking in tongues here. Absolutely. We, we believe in the gift of miracles. Absolutely. We believe in the gift of prophecy. Look, God can give you the ability to prophesy, which means calling things that are not as though they are before they even happen when you're overwhelmed with the spirit of God. We're building, uh, building number two. I shared this first service, thought it was a good illustration. We, we were building building number, no, building building number two. We were building this building. We were in building number two as our main building. You with me? I know I'm on rapid fire. I've got a little bit of Cajun overdrive in me. I've been, I've been uh, hanging around Cajuns a lot. I like LSU. <laughs> Lots of jambalaya too. But here's the deal. I was in building number two. We were building building number one. For some reason, we had this service. Maybe it was a Wednesday night service. Maybe it was a church service. We were praying and we were worshiping God. And I was overwhelmed with the spirit. I was filled with the spirit. I was overwhelmed. God overwhelmed me in this service. I mean, I'm just a normal guy. But I was hungry. I wasn't normal. I was, I was hungry. I was broken. I wanted to fulfill the potential God had for my life. I was desperate. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't a dope addict, but I was desperate. I didn't have financial ruin, but I was desperate. Now, I was that in one time, but I had done past that, but it didn't move the desperation from my life. I was desperate. I was hungry. I was broken. I was worshiping. I was open for God. He overwhelmed me with the Spirit of God, and I had a vision. I had a vision that, 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 that I was going to come on staff, and I was going to work in a, a particular office, and I had taken these posters... And they were the motivational posters, you know, with the eagle on it, focus, and uh, I don't know, you know, these motivational posters, they have animals on it and good sayings that half of us can live by, right? <laughs> and so I had a picture in my head because previously, as we were just carrying all kind of stuff over here, I carried all of these motivational posters in an office in this back hallway, and I set them down in this office. So in that moment in the worship service, I was overwhelmed. And I saw a vision of me doing that because I had previously did that. And God said, that's going to be your office. And I just said, yes, Lord, my God, you're able. Yes, it will, God. Yes, it will. I'll preach the gospel. You've called me. You will make a way for me where there seems to be no way. A year later, I was on staff. And you know what Pastor Van told me? There was somebody in that office, actually. We didn't have this conversation, by the way. Sometimes God wants to do something in your life that you don't have to tell everybody about. Because you know what? You start telling everybody about what God's doing on the inside, it can become manipulation. Oh, God started. So guess what Pastor Van said? Hey, Casey, I want you in that office. I don't think I shared the story with him, but I remember going to the office and weeping. Because I prophesied what God wanted to do before he did it because he showed it to me because I was overwhelmed with his presence. Do you believe God can do that? He can do that. 
The question is, do you want that? Because Paul the Apostle, as he was disclosing the operations of the gifts and how they should operate in order in the local church, here's a little tagline he left in there for the church. And he said, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That word eagerly means I want it. I want it. If you cross-reference that to a degree, it's like the psalmist in the book of Psalms that says, my soul pants after you, God, like a deer pants after the water. I'm hungry. I'm broken. I'm desperate. I need you today is more than I need you yesterday. No matter if you're in a place of success or failure or in the pit, I need you, God. That's eagerly desiring, by the way, spiritual gifts. Why do I need you? I need you because I want to live for you. I need you because I want to accomplish your mission through me. God has a mission that he wants to accomplish inside of you as an individual. Not the preacher, man, you. God called us to come together as a church, to assemble together so that we can be encouraged knowing that our day is approaching, our day of death or our day of eternity. Either one, they're both coming on us like a freight train. We come together in a room right here in America. We hear the preaching of the word from a five-fold minister, pastors, teachers, prophets alike, to encourage us to actually go out and be the church. This is not the church. This is a gathering together of the church. The church happens outside the doors. You with me? Uh, we're going to get that one day, but that's, that's real church, folks. And that's what it takes. That's, that's what it takes. This is a fact. That's what it takes. We see spiritual gifts operating when people are overwhelmed in the church. I gave you a couple of examples of my own. We see some New Testament. Uh, one of the most common occurrences in the New Testament when people were overwhelmed with the Spirit of God, they spoke the Word of God with boldness, they spoke in tongues, they prophesied. Acts chapter 19, verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Miracles. They didn't drum it up, by the way. You can't drum up the Spirit of God. You can't drum up a gift. You can stir up yourself. You can break your heart before God. You can say, but you can't make gifts happen to you. God endows them on you when he sees your heart cracked open, ready to operate in his functions, in his ministry, in his, in his calling for your life. Everybody has a calling, folks. The Holy Spirit will empower you to operate in spiritual gifts, to be a witness for the common good, to accomplish his mission through you. Number two, the Holy Spirit empowers you to live righteously. The Holy Spirit empowers you to live righteously. I like this major prophet in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came upon him. His name's Ezekiel. He's known as a major prophet in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God came on Ezekiel and the Spirit of God overwhelmed him where he saw things that hadn't happened yet that were gonna happen hundreds of years and decades way after he died. And here's what he said when he was overwhelmed with the Spirit. And I will give you a new heart, talking about you, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live a righteous life, to break the curse of sin, to break the curse of bondage, to break the curse of addictions, sexual addictions, all kinds of addictions, anger, malice, jealousy, pride, rage, fear, 
fear. The Holy Spirit empowers you to walk out of that. He splits the seas and makes a path where there was no path. He delivers me from the curse. He sets my feet on a high ground. He causes me to be a witness and to stand strong. That's right, he does. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit will empower you to live righteously and to follow his decrees and to actually have your stony heart transformed into a tender heart that's responsive to God. The Holy Spirit shows our heart to ourselves. The Bible says that no one is tempted. God doesn't tempt anyone, but each one is tempted by their own evil desires in their heart. And it's a hook that lures you away. But when we get empowered by the Holy Spirit, we recognize this by the Holy Spirit and we say, no, Lord, continue to change my heart. This is not what I want, God. You're able to change my heart. I can't change myself, God, but you can. Lord, would you not give up on me? God, I'm not giving up on you. Keep working on me, God. Keep working on me, God. And you keep moving forward. And he begins to continue to transform that heart by the power of God so that you can be righteous in a wicked land. In Galatians, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, long-suffering, and the like. And here's what he says right here. I love this in Galatians chapter 20, uh, in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Our pastor used to teach us, you gotta be angry with your sin. A, A righteous indignation that says this sin that is meant to destroy me and contaminate me and poison me and take away my victory. I'm gonna nail it to the cross and it's not gonna have dominion over me. I'm gonna walk in power and in victory and not on the curse. That's what it takes. You gotta fight the good fight of faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm yelling now, sweating a little bit, but you can say it softly. All right, I'm just excited. You can say it softly. Lord, I'm not going to be a dog that returns back to my vomit like a pig. And if I have, God, you love me enough to rescue me. And you're revealing it to me. And you're revealing to me that even though my mind's clouded and I feel like I'll never make it, your mercies are renewed daily. And your hand is still reaching out to me. And regardless of what's going on on the inside of me, I'm going to reach up my hand with just a mustard seed of faith and you're going to snatch me back out and you're going to cause me to live righteous in a wicked land. Last point right here. The Holy Spirit empowers you with hope. We, we need hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We know hope comes from faith, and faith comes from hearing a word from God that comes by knowing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes the words off a page, the words out of a preacher's mouth, the song from the board, a song in the living room, a TV show you're watching, to speak down to you where you are. And when you recognize that, faith is born because you heard a word from God that only God can reveal to you as an individual. And when you heard it, 
Faith is birthed in your heart. Even a mustard seed of faith, the Bible says, can move a mountain. And that little bit of faith that was birthed in your heart because you recognize God in some instance causes you to have hope, an everlasting hope that makes you, it's a catalyst to move you forward all the way to eternity. I love this scripture out of Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. It's it's through the spirit of God, folks. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the other saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. When the Holy Spirit, when you're overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, he gives you the ability to comprehend the richness of his love, the depth and the height of his love for you. The Holy Spirit can only reveal that. Revelation comes from the Holy Spirit and causes us to have hope, which in turn equals solidified in our faith. So what's your next steps? In closing, we wanna talk about our next steps. Very important. Some of you need to take step number one, which is to be baptized into Christ. We talked about it earlier. Salvation. Maybe you are, maybe the Holy Spirit's overwhelming you right now to where you're saying, oh my God, I'm not right with God. I, I know it. I'm not right with God. I know I'm not right with God. I've been living a lie. My, my, I've been living religiously. I, I, I say the right things. I have no power. I was in church as a kid, but I had no power. Maybe I was water baptized, but I had no power. I have no transformation. I I need God. God knows everything about you right now, and he's got his finger on your heart. He's a gentleman. He loves you desperately, and he's revealing to you, you need to be baptized into Christ. You need to be born again. You You need to come into a saving knowledge. You're coming into a saving knowledge. Now you need to come into a saving relationship with Christ, your Redeemer. His name is Jesus. He's the invisible God. He's working on you right now. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer. I don't know how to say it any better. You know, there's something about God. I love God, man. Before I knew a lot about the Bible, God was still showing me things. He's showing you right now because he's God. Number two, some of you realize in this service that you need to be water baptized. That's your next step. You need to take the decision to be water baptized. You'll never mature unless you follow Jesus in the waters of baptism. It's elementary faith, folks. We're going to help you do that. We baptize on first Wednesday. There's a card in the seat pocket in front of you. Fill that card out. Say on there, I want to be baptized. Bring it to the connect table in the rear of this auditorium. Our administrative staff will actually sign you up Monday. That's right. We're just going to believe you're going to show up. And we're going to have a t-shirt waiting for you. We got all sizes. Don't you worry. That's your next step. You don't have to understand everything, but you have to understand one thing. That's me. It's time for me to be baptized. Number three, some of you have been overwhelmed with the spirit of God and lived in that desperation or lived in that uh, uh, lifestyle where you're just broken before God and you're excited about his church and his calling and you've lost that. God wants to still overwhelm you with his spirit. He still wants to fill you. Some of you have never experienced being overwhelmed with the spirit of God. Let's just face it, folks. Some of you come to church maybe for the first time and thought, man, this is something, what's going on here? 
And, and, and I remember going to church as a kid and I really don't know anything else, but man, I'm here at the church on Sundays and this sounds good, but, but living out this uh, calling and, 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 and being light and salt and actually affecting darkness and, and taking ground for Jesus and being overwhelmed with his spirit where I see things otherwise I didn't see and I'm able to protect my daughters and my sons from things that otherwise I wasn't able to protect them from because I couldn't see into the spiritual corridors. Some of you, that's for you. you. It's time for you to be overwhelmed with his spirit so that you can move to the next level. He can fill you with power. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray right now. First off, I'm gonna pray for people who need a relationship with Jesus. We're gonna pray about that together as a church. First of all, y'all ready to do that? So whoever you are out there, I'm just gonna give you just a moment. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And all you gotta do is say, that's me by simply lifting your hand and put it right back down. I'm not gonna call you to the front of the room, nothing strange. Just say, hey, I wanna be included in this prayer you're about to pray, that's me. Thank you for your hand. Say, that's me, I see your hand. Anybody out there, I'll say, you know what, that's me. I need a real, thank you ma'am, I do see your hand back there. I need a real relationship with Jesus. Today is my day. I'm ready. Maybe you are the person I spoke about just a second ago. You're having revelation knowledge. Though you are like a dog returning to its vomit, you realize that God loves you. And at one time you were overwhelmed with his spirit and you were ready to serve God and you, and you kind of went wayward. God sees you right there. You can, you can today just say, I, I repent, Lord. That's me. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer and you can repeat this with your mouth. God sees you. You can agree with your heart and say, God, that's me. God, God works through all the, those details. So I'm gonna pray, you're gonna repeat this prayer. Just say, Father in heaven, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, rescue me. Lord, save me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I turn from that old man. I repent. I'm yours now, God. I'm yours. You're mine. I want to live for you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus. So you're saying is thank you, Jesus. That's simple. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer right now. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.